Part of me wanted to rant, yell about how bad the Jets' 30-9 loss was, how bad Zach Wilson was after getting the Rookie of the Week, only to crap the bed like he's been doing a lot this season a week later. But why rant? Why put effort in? Why waste my energy on this crap? There's no point. The team looked lifeless. They looked demoralized. Their heads were down. Everyone in sight, including Ty Johnson, was dropping passes all over the football field at MetLife Stadium, where there were four people in the building in the final minutes of that game so why should i waste my time and yell about this team i'm just gonna stay calm and say you know what let's just get a draft pick let's end the season and let's get the hell out of here we don't know yet if the jets got it wrong with zach wilson it's just too early to tell but what we're seeing from him is quite alarming throws behind receivers throws over receivers no turnover Sunday, but 19 of 42 for 202 with a lot of those coming in garbage time. It doesn't even matter when the defense and the Saints are laughing at the Jets. And there's a reason other teams are laughing at you. These are embarrassing performances. Why would anyone pay to see that game on Sunday? Why would any Jet fan pay to go see you right now? Three field goals, no touchdowns to a five and 17 this wasn't the 72 dolphins here so while this is all part of the plan that plan that coach Salah said is crystal clear it ain't clear it's pretty foggy right now and it's going to be foggy for the rest of the season no elijah moore no michael carter no players rushing to get back on the field for a three and ten football team it's all about progression but will we see it we need to or we're going to enter this off season with even more questions than what we started this season with And he picks up another first down. Third down and two. Wilson has plenty of time. And Johnson drops another. Second drop of the quarter for Ty Johnson. And some booze from the Jets fans. We just got to execute. You know, I got to, obviously, just being more accurate would definitely help that, that number. Wilson looking for Cole. Incomplete. Big hit by Marcus Williams. Cole could not hold on. Nobody in this locker room wants to lose football games, but at the same time, the I've, I've said it before, the, the the path is crystal clear. One is good. So Eddie Pinheiro, two for two. Third and goal. Hill trying to do it himself. Gets to the edge, and he's got a touchdown. You got to be built for it. You know, when, when, you say, when you say you come to a place to to improve and to change things and be a culture changer, and it doesn't happen. You're going to get all the criticism in the world. Hill turns it up. I think just with time and everyone, you know, just working on on their responsibility and just getting better, um, that number's going to go up. Wilson steps up, and Wilson at the five lunges, and he did not get in. Down at the one, and the game is over. Welcome back to Gangsville here at Jets Podcast from the New York Post. That montage you heard courtesy of CBS with Andrew Catalan on the call. You heard a few of the Jets and Coach Sala as we break down yet another Jets loss. Leger Doosable, friend of the program, former Jet and pre and post game host on SNY, will join us later in the show. 
Brian Castello, Jake Brown. Follow us on Twitter at Brian Kaz at Jake Brown Radio. Kaz, 30 to 9. The Jets fall to 3 and 10. It was the Eddie Pinheiro show on Sunday. The Jets have a kicker, although every one of his kicks looked like they were barely getting over. But at this point, you'll take anything that goes in between the goalposts. He was the only good thing to come out of Sunday. Dropped passes by Ty Johnson. Dropped passes by everyone. Throws behind every receiver in sight by Zach Wilson who, despite not turning it over for the first time all year, he offset that with a 19-for-42 game where most of those 202 yards came in garbage time where they didn't matter. One bright spot was his longest run of his career, 18 yards, although he could have probably had 40, but he slid and you know avoided getting hit. This is a team that was definitely down, but you really learn a lot about a team when they were down. They looked demoralized, and the team played like crap. They were just awful. A lack of progression is being seen as these games go on. I would say it's been regression over the last couple of weeks. I love that you led with Eddie Pinheiro, Jake. Your, your kicker, your fixation on kickers continues. Yeah, the, the lack of progression is the way to put it, and that's what, that's really all the season is about. It's all the season's been about since the beginning, but it's really about that now. Is just seeing the Jets get better as the season goes on, figuring out who's part of the answer going forward, uh, starting at the quarterback position. And Zach did not play well. Uh, he took a big step backwards after having some success last week against the Eagles. Look, he's out there, Jake, with a bunch of players that shouldn't be starting. Uh, there's a lot of guys out there that, you know, they're down two running backs. They're down two starting wide receivers. You get that. But he should be able to throw a bubble screen without throwing a bounce pass. He should be able when he rolls out and the tight end leaks out and is, is wide open, you know, about 10 yards away from him. He should be able to get the ball to Ryan Griffin and not bounce it at his feet. That has nothing to do with the players around him. And that's troubling. He continues to struggle with the layups and, you know, you have to be able to hit those. No one would question him if he was making having a tough time reading defense as a rookie or trying to force things and throwing an interception you understand that stuff's going to happen as a rookie but god you got to you got to be able to make the short throws you, you know throwing a bubble screen should be a piece of cake not not something where you're bound, you you don't set your feet and don't get your mechanics right and bounce the pass so that, that's troubling jake and there's four games left and i've said it before you need to see one of these games where you walk away and go okay this guy played a complete game today and you think back to Sam Darnold, his rookie year, he had a pretty good end of the season stretch. He dueled Aaron Rodgers in one game. He he they lost in overtime, but he he played well. And you walked away going, okay, maybe they got something here. And he played well against Deshaun Watson. He led a comeback win in Buffalo. Zach has to have something here down the stretch that we're going the offseason going, okay, I, I feel pretty good about them taking him number two overall. And it just hasn't happened yet. He doesn't lead receivers. It's, I've never seen a guy throw behind more receivers. He never throws it ahead or knows where they're going. Cause it seems like there's maybe there's a lack of chemistry going on with guys coming in and out. Denzel Mims, I mean, maybe he's checked out for the seat. I mean, what I don't know what happened uh, with Denzel Mims. That wasn't pretty either. We, you know, he finally got his shot to play and he didn't do much, but a lot of that is on Zach. But it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of chemistry between him and his receivers because he doesn't know where they're going. He, you know, he, they don't know where he's throwing it. And it's alarming here in year one as you're trying to see progression. Obviously, you want to see Elijah Moore. And now what? He's done for the year. We're not going to see Elijah. He's not Moore done for the year. He's not done for the year. He's he's on IR. He's going to miss at least three games. We'll see. I mean, there's only five games left, so he could be done for the year. But no one has said that yet. They they did that move Saturday. We didn't really ask Salah yesterday about it. We'll ask him today more about Elijah Moore. He's a quad injury, so I could see him coming back for the last couple of games. Yeah, Jay, I'm not enough of a quarterback mechanics expert to tell you what's going on with him throwing behind i don't think i i have a feeling that it's something mechanically i don't think it's chemistry as much there because it's not like he's throwing 
to an open spot and there's no receiver there. Like it's not like they're, they're like a receiver's running one way and he's throwing the other way. It's he's just missing by a little. And I have a feeling that's footwork. Uh, that might be eye placement. It might just be seeing things quick enough and, and getting the ball out quick enough. But he's yeah, there's it, it's off because you know he, Ty Johnson drops three passes in the beginning of the game, but the one was behind him. It was a tough catch. He should have caught it, but it was behind him. Uh, and he, you're right. He, he does throw pass. I think there was another one to Cole that was behind Cole that I remember. He's just not hitting them, you know, not leading the receiver, like you said. Taysom Michael Vic Hill, two rushing touchdowns, 11 for 73. Kamara comes back. Of course, he comes back. The game against the Jets. Fantasy owners rejoice. Jets fans do not. 27 for 120 and a touchdown. Once again, another team running it down the Jets' throats, guys. And this defense seems to have some guys who are not going to be here next year. They have a lot of young guys who they are hoping for more out of, and they're not getting it from them. You know, they contained them, I guess, in the past game, but that's because they almost had the Bill Belichick Buffalo approach where they ran it so many times, only 15 of 21 for Hill. But, man, another ground game just dominating the Jets. I mean, C.J. Mosley's running out of things to say at this point. I know he's saying he's saying things a leader would say and a veteran would say, but what could you even say at this point when teams are running it all over you? I thought they were bad against the run yesterday. I mean, the Saints were just committed to the run. They just ran a lot. Like the average wasn't bad. It got skewed in the end because Taysom Hill ran for 44 yards on that play uh, with a minute left. So the numbers kind of got skewed. I'm looking for my my book here. 44 you know, rushes for, you know, yeah, 203. 40, so that's, I mean, 44 rushes is a lot. Like, that. that's a lot of rushes. So, of course, they're going to get yards out of that. The average game per rushing play was 4.6. So that gets skewed by the 44-yard rush. The Jets also averaged 4.6 yards a carry, and you didn't think their rushing game was great, right? So it just shows you, you know, yes, they gave up a lot of yards, but Alvin Kamara is a really good running back. I didn't think that was the problem yesterday. They, it was 13-6 to 6 going, you know, in the second half. They, they, they were in the game. If the offense had done anything, this might have been a, a closer game. <laughs> but the offense just couldn't. This was really on the offense to me more than anything else. And the coaching, I mean, can you stop leaving a timeout left? Like, what happened there in the final minute where you leave a timeout on the board and you do nothing he desperately wanted to make sure they didn't get the ball back the saints right so he was he wanted to make sure they had the ball at the end and i think you know i asked him after the game his answer wasn't really clear to me but i think they felt like they were on schedule they get to the they get to the 24 with like 30 seconds left they used the timeout there and then the two penalties happened from Denzel Mims, and that kind of just threw the whole thing off, right? So I think he feels like if, if they, they had taken another shot, get inside the 10, take another timeout, maybe take one more shot at the end zone, then kick a field goal, it all works out. But there was just no urgency either, Jake. Like, they were just taking their time on that. I, I you know, And I understand not wanting to give the ball backs somewhat, but like it wasn't like the Saints offense was explosive yesterday. Like, they, they were just grinding it out. So if you, if you give them the ball back with 30 seconds left, or 40 seconds left, you should be able to play defense and, and stop them. This isn't like the old days of Tom Brady with the Patriots where you're like, oh, you know, God, don't give him the ball back before halftime. He'll score. Uh, the Saints were, weren't hitting a lot of explosive plays yesterday. So, I, yeah, I didn't understand the time management there at the end of the first half very much. It's the Jets, not the Jeff. It's just end the season, not just end the half, Coach Salah. And, you know, across the board here, you know, the offense is bad, defense is bad. But, you know, it's discouraging that the coaching's been this bad, too. I know it's a lot of rookie coaches, and, and we we're going to battle through these mistakes. But this finger pointing to go around across the board here and 
coaching is definitely a big part of it, guys. Yeah, it's hard, Jake. You know, we've had this debate before. I I put this this one on the players yesterday. I, I just I don't see what the coaches could have done to win this game, really. Yeah, the first half, I agree with you. They screwed up the end of the first half time management, but that really didn't kill the kill them. And defensively, I don't know what you want them to do. Just like they, they can't make tackles for these guys. I felt guys were in the right position yesterday. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like the Bills game a few weeks ago where Stefan Diggs is getting covered by Javelin Gidry one on one. That's coaching. Uh, this one to me was on the players. Uh, I don't know what Mike, La- what you what you can ask Mike LaFleur to do differently in that game. He's giving Zach Wilson easy throws and Zach Wilson's not making them. You know, is he going to is he going to have to call that little push pass every time that, that felt like the only pass that you knew was going to be accurate yesterday? So, yeah, I, I'm sure, you know, the coaching could be better, but I, I don't know. I, I, I put this more on the players right now than the coaches. Let's cue up, Andrew, what Zach Wilson had to say about his performance after the game. He had some good things, but he also had some bad things. So let's let's hear what Zach Wilson had to say about his game. Uh, I thought as far as seeing the field uh, decision making, I thought. I thought I was seeing it well. You know, of course, there's some I want back, but I, I got to throw the ball better, uh, giving the guys a better chance to, to run after catch. You know, just right from the beginning, I got to be more accurate. When he said that, did he scratch ahead, or was that just what did he see well? I, I didn't understand that answer. So seeing the field well, Jake, just means he, he's reading the defenses okay. He didn't throw to the other team yesterday, right? So he, he was seeing it well. He just wasn't executing the play. I mean, there's two things with quarterbacks. There's decision-making and throws. His decision-making was fine yesterday. That wasn't the problem. The throws were the problem, which is better. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I think as a rookie, you'd like to see him struggle with the decision-making and make all the throws because you feel like the decision-making will get better the more he sees. The throws, to me, is a bigger problem. Like, that means – his footwork isn't good. His, his eyes aren't in the right place. You know, he's just not mechanically operating right. So, you know, that that was trouble. The, the thing, Jake, he said the last two weeks, and I, I, we, I don't know if we have this clip somewhere, but he talked about, like, the end of the game being cool because he got to, like, work on things out there. And, like, that yeah. – practice is for? You got a whole week of practice to work on things, not the actual game. Yeah, that floored me. Like, last week he talked about how they could work on the two-minute offense at the end of the game against the Eagles – and how great it was. And then yesterday he was talking about, oh, it was really good that they were in a prevent defense because we got to work on some things. And it was, and he said he used the word cool. <laughs> and I'm like, what? So, yeah, that 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 was the strangest answer to me from Zach Wilson yesterday. Clearly he's been watching, as Andrew Hartz knows, our, one of my favorites, Jingle All the Way. This is cool when uh, he's shooting the, uh, the disc at uh, Turbo Man. You only get uh, Jingle All the Way references here on Gangs All Here. Have you seen Jingle All the Way, Kaz, with Arnold? I Ford? haven't, but I, crazy. I came home last night and asked my kids how the day was. They said they watched a Christmas movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which has, had to be Jingle All the Way, right? Yeah. Wow, they must and have my, been listening to my clothes a couple of weeks ago where I reference it. Look at that. My wife said it was terrible. Oh, come on. Uh, well, it's meant for children, <laughs> and I'm a child, so uh, I love it. I can recite almost every line from Jingle All the Way, so wow, there you go. Wow, that's sad, Jake. Yeah, yeah he's in my house movie. eating my cookies, decorating my tree. Put that cookie down. Um, It's a classic. That's what we do in December when the Jets are out of it. We watch Jingle All the Way. Uh, happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's alarming. He's talking about working on things in an actual game that you're supposed to have worked on these things and be ready to go. I'm curious to hear the fans' perspective on this. When when Salah gives the, we see the path. The path is clear. It's going to flip. You know, we, we know this sucks right now, but this is the crappy part. You have to go through to get to the, you know, good stuff. 
Are you tired of hearing that? Do you like hearing that they have a plan? Well, let's play that clip and then react to it. Andrew, let's cue up uh, the message to the fan base. The uh, Brilliant question, by the way. Brilliant question. Brilliant question by our esteemed colleague right here. Let's uh, let's hear what he had to say. Same thing I've been saying. You know, it's uh, does it suck right now? Sure. I, I, I feel you. Uh, no, nobody in this locker room wants to lose football games, but... At the same time, the I've said it before, the the, the path is crystal clear on, on where this organization needs to go and the and the things that we need to address as coaches, players, uh, all the way top down. It's it's very very clear, and uh, and we got to utilize these four weeks to still, uh, cement what we think that we need to do, and uh, and then from there we just got to attack everything. So um, it's going to flip, it's going to flip, and this is part of the this this crappy part is part of the process but at the same time uh it's not discouraging in any sense of the imagination because there's a lot of young guys getting a lot of good playing time and it's and and i promise you they're learning from all of this it is discouraging for the fans who were there and there were maybe seven of them left in the, in the final minutes as that picture that you tweeted but how could you say it's not discouraging i'm almost like what else is he supposed to say cause he's got to keep it positive but when it's the same thing every week loss after loss you kind of just got to say we suck we need to be better and it might not be the answer that gets clicks but it's the answer that we need to to realize that you have a brain on your head. The only crystal clear thing here is that they suck and they're not going in a good direction. So I don't know what exactly he meant there, but yeah, not a big fan of it, guys. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering because, you know, I, obviously I think fans will come back in the offseason and be like, all right, like let's go get them in free agency in the draft. That's just how you guys are. I, I but, but right now watching this every week has to be torture. The offseason is our season. We get excited for the draft, which you lose picks because Seattle, Seattle's going to go on a run and the Jets will end up out of the top 10. They're down to seven now, so four and seven. The Jaguars don't want to win, so I'm not even thinking that the Jets are moving up. And well, Houston just looks terrible. So there's an interesting little tournament coming up, though, Jake. Right, like the, 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 the battle the for the two pick, right? Yeah, it really started pick? with Jets Texans a few weeks ago, and now the Jaguars and Texans play this week. Oh, right, so someone's yes. got to win, just theoretically. Or I guess, and then the 26, the, the Jets and Jaguars. Then the 26th is the battle of East Rutherford with the with. Urban Meyer leading his fighting Jaguars in here to face the Jets with a lot on the line. Jake, the number two pick possibly on the line. So- the hottest ticket in town, December 26th. Go to the mall, return your presents from Christmas in the morning. Hours later, drink your face off and see Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson, two of the worst rookie quarterbacks we have ever seen in the history of the NFL. Go at it for pick number two, because I don't think Detroit, is going to be out of the first pick. They seem to be. No, they got the first pick, I think. Yeah, I think they're uh, locked in. Yeah, I think number but, two is all you can hope for, the number two pick. And So this yeah. is the toilet bowl. It is the battle for number two. Wow. this. Yeah. They need well, to, we have like, to see what happens this week between the Jaguars and Texans, right? You know, that that's a key thing. If the Texans win that game, then the Jets would move ahead. Of, I think the Jets would move up to number three based on strength of schedule. So, yeah, we so got to see what So who would we be rooting for? We would be rooting for this week. Texans? or I don't think I'm, I, I think you'd be rooting for the Texans because then – because the, then you'd be rooting for the Jets to lose to the Jaguars on the 26th, and then the Jets would be number two. Yes. Okay. So if they each have three wins, the Jets would be tie, two. I think the Jets would be two because right now the strength of schedule, the Jets have the easiest strength of schedule, and that's the tiebreaker. Now that 
could change, but it usually doesn't change this late in the season very much. Celebrate number two and take a big dump when the Jets <laughs> lose to the Jaguars. Uh, All right, Jake, let's, I, let's... I knew you were going there as we were talking about number yeah. two. As we, you know, dump of a season, so I had to go there. Uh, let's close. You know, Eddie Pinero, thank you to you. Got to shout out you for your nine points. Made your all three or field goals very nicely done. Let's close. You covered Jamarius Thomas, unfortunately, thirty three years old. I hate to go from you know poop to this, but you know this is a tremendous receiver. Everyone raves about him. You got to cover him with the Jets for a year. I'm sure you. You know, when you went to Super Bowl and, and other things, you've talked to him before. Uh, what was it like covering Demarius and just a uh, tragic loss? There? Yeah, so I'll give you one on-field and then off-field. On-field, I covered the Broncos-Steelers playoff game when he caught the overtime pass from Tebow, uh, which was one of the coolest moments I've ever covered. And just it felt like the press box was going to fall down. That stadium was rocking so much, and that was just so incredible. And so that was that was a cool on-field moment. And then, yeah, I got to know him a little bit in 2019, and I, I really enjoyed talking to Demarius. He, I kind of like, Jake, the veterans who come from a winning team. I like to talk to them and kind of figure out, like, what are the Jets missing? Like, what's, you know, what's different? there than here and I talked to Demarius about that a lot and they really brought him in to be a locker room leader that year you know Adam Gase knew him from Denver obviously Uh, he was his wide receivers coach in Denver and then offensive coordinator so they were very close and so I think Gase wanted him in that locker room to kind of help him with the players he was a mentor to a lot of guys in that locker room and so he wasn't there very long but he had an impact and you just used to see guys kind of gravitate to him I can remember seeing him like laying on the floor I can picture this pretty clearly like playing cards with guys in front of his locker Jamal Adams liked him a lot Marcus May liked him a lot those guys were you know you know their third year at that point so he really had a major impact he just was a just a great guy just really really good personality always smiling always happy he also would call BS on stuff people wrote Jake which I always like he wasn't afraid to call out reporters if they wrote something that wasn't right and he kind of you know held them accountable and I can remember him uh warning Sam not to talk to certain reporters <laughs> and stuff so I always liked Demarius a lot and I, I thought they probably should have brought him back last year because I, I thought he had some value as a, as a mentor leader in that room but just an awful awful tragedy and you know it's 33 years old it's just brutal you know just terrible because these guys they're just really starting their lives you know after they play football and he he doesn't get to do that yeah i'm a couple of years away from there and it's scary to think someone loses their life at 33 and thoughts and prayers to demarius and his family and we'll talk more about you know demarius with his friend and former jet leger doosable next year on gangs all here it's mind-boggling all right we're back here on gangs all here jake brown brian castello bringing on a friend of the program always does a great job breaking down the jets of course smy pre and post game Former Jets defensive end, Leger, Doosable. Leger, uh, don't Doosable. There's not much uh, the Jets can do right now. Quarterback's been bad. Yesterday, a lot of drops. It just felt deflating across the board, Leger. It felt like no one was in the game. That the seemed like they used the injuries and guys out as an excuse. Zach's head was down. Not a lot of progress was seen on Sunday. Yeah, and that's what this season was about, right? The progress of Zach Wilson and um we actually saw a step of regression, I believe, yesterday. If you think about it, um, going back to the Houston Texans game when he first came back from the knee injury, you kind of knew he would be a little rusty, right? Uh, a little timid, didn't have a lot of confidence in the leg. Uh, short hops and passes to the flat to running backs, Austin Walters and uh, Tevin Coleman um, didn't make the easy throws. Uh, last week, though, to me, probably his best game of his young career, um, was decisive with the football, played with accuracy, knew where to go with the football, 
and he didn't hold the ball and wasn't late with the ball. But then yesterday, you know, versus the Saints, it seemed like we saw some of the same bad habits that he had versus the Houston Texans as far as his footwork being sloppy, um, being all over the place, throwing off his back foot while fading away. Um, the pass to Braxton Berrios in the flat on the screenplay, he hops it to him because he didn't go through his mechanics and have his footwork down packed. Like, those are the things that concern you as a fan and as a coach because when you talk about progress, right, it's, it's talk about taking the next step forward not continuing to make the same mistakes and building off performances. And we've seen Zach have pretty good halves. We've never seen him put a complete game together. So that's what I was looking forward to versus the Saints. Take me inside the mind of veterans in that locker room. So are you sitting there going, maybe we should be playing Mike White or Joe – Mike White's still on the COVID list, but I think he's going to come off soon. Maybe we should be playing Mike White. Maybe we should be playing Joe Flacco. Like, well, this guy is not giving us the best chance to win. Are you? Or do you understand, hey – they picked him number two. They're going to roll with him. Like, that's just life, you know? Well, yeah, it's, it's a combination of both. And we had this discussion on the post game yesterday because as a veteran on that team, depending on how old you are, like, you know, you don't have many years left. And you're like, yeah, we know we want to develop this young quarterback. But we've seen that we can win with comparable pieces at the quarterback position on this roster. So that's where you feel for Robert Sala, right? Because you know that you're hitched to this quarterback that you took number two overall and you have to ride with him. But then also, you, how do you evaluate the rest of the roster when you've seen other quarterbacks be able to come in and get the job done? So, like, that's why there's only 32 jobs in the NFL, right? That's why there's only 32 GM jobs in the NFL. Like, this is where they make their money, their money because you have to decide, right, coming into next year, if we keep seeing the seesaw effect, when, because your job's online, when do you say, well, look here, Zach, this is your second year. We need to see progress. Oh, we're going to go to the next guy because there's other pieces that we put on this team that we feel like, you know, can make a potential run at the playoffs or get us in the right direction if you can. It's obviously early, but do you have worries that the Jets took the wrong guy at quarterback? I think it's too early to even talk about that. If, if you look at every quarterback besides Mac Jones and, and even him, right, they've done a good job of putting pieces around him. But also there's a reason why he went later in the draft, I believe, like pick 15. It's because that team was already kind of vetted to be a better team. Like when you're picking in the top five or top 10, it's because your team isn't really good. The only instance where that was different was probably Justin Herbert's because they had dealt with so many injuries on that team the year before. But that team went to the playoffs the year before that. So like that team was already suited for a quarterback to come in, I don't think and play as well as he did, but um, they were suited on defense and offense, and they had playmakers where they could make a run as long as the the quarterback didn't set them back. So uh, that's why you see the ascension of Justin Herbert because the makeup of the roster was com- almost like a playoff roster type team. If you talk about Keenan Allen and Mike Williams on the outside, Austin Eckler, you know, was undrafted for agent, but he's shown that he can be a really good back in the NFL, their issue was the offensive line. And they've, you know, kind of rectified that through free agency in the draft uh, this past year. And then on defense, you know, Derwin James being out kills that defense and he's been healthy this year. So they've, they've struggled against the run, but they've played a lot better. With a young rookie quarterback, there's always going to be woes. There's going to be ups and downs, but you just want to see progress. That way you can hitch that to talking to free agents in the offseason and having them want to come here. That's the, the C.J. Mosley tax Leger that they paid right because the Ravens wanted Mosley back they but they weren't going to pay him what was it 17 million exactly (laughs) and the Jets just had to blow the Ravens out of the water to get yeah and and you work about that right because if you have to overpay the top star players and that's less 
of the intermediate players you can get, like the Braxton Berrios and stuff. You like you can't you can't really essentially pay them because you're paying somebody else so much more money. Lujay, to flip it over to the defense, tough assignment yesterday. Alvin Kamara is great, and he was he was rested <laughs> and he came in there motivated. You know, I didn't think they were terrible. Like I, I guess my question because I, I heard from somebody, I said you know this wasn't coaching. This one wasn't on coaching. This was on players yesterday. I, the issue some people had was you knew what was coming. The, the quarterback has an injured hand. You're yeah, not going to th- throw th- the ball. Th- th- Buffalo. We saw what New England did to them. <laughs> right, right. But should the, Jets have, should the Jets have had a better plan against it? Or did you just say, you know what, they they were fine. It just they got, you know, they were on the field too long and got got stung in the end, you know? Yesterday's game kind of reminded me, uh, Kaz and Jake, of the first four weeks. It was like microcosm of the first four weeks of the season, right? Like, because the defense, you know, besides that first drive and then one drive where Alvin Kamara essentially took over and scored the touchdown, like, they actually were playing well. Like, they even, I believe, through the first three quarters, they were holding them to under four yards of carry. Now, the big run at the end from Taysom Hill, that, you know, strews, you know misconstrues what the average was. I mean, anytime you let somebody bust for 44-plus yards, it's going to kill your average, especially against the run or pass, either one. So I think that really, like, changed what the average was at the end of the game. And then that one uh, Marquise Callaway play on the sideline when, like, three guys missed him, you know, on a tackle and could have got off the field, uh, that that was just bad. That's bad football, bad tackling. The thing is, we knew this was going to be the tough out. As you said, Alvin Kamara is one of the best backs in the NFL, not just running the football, but he's probably the most dangerous back out of the backfield catching the football. They actually did a pretty good job in restraining him, you know, as far as him catching the ball because a lot of teams struggle in that aspect because – Essentially, he becomes like your number one receiver for the Saints because of all the injuries the Saints have had on offense. But his contact balance is probably the best in the league. Like guys were bouncing off. And you saw it at times yesterday, guys were bouncing off him. When you play the Saints and Alvin Kamara, you literally have to tackle in bunches because the first guy is never bringing him down. And he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he just has great contact balance. He just bounces off guys. And, you know, Ashton Davis learned a hard lesson yesterday. He may only be 200 pounds, but you better bring your big boy pads. You will get embarrassed. And he, again, he was what four weeks off, so he had fresh legs. You know, he was motivated. Um, he wanted to get his numbers up, and you know, it's exactly what he did yesterday. You can follow Leger on Twitter at Leger Doosable, where your finest tweet yesterday, Leger, was a feeling that many Jets fans might have, you know, had the same thoughts about themselves. Zach has been high all day today. Um, <laughs> Everybody in the conference room was like, "How many, uh, you know, retweets have you gotten about that?" And I thought about it. I was like. I meant to say he's been high throwing the football all day. There was some <laughs> cheating and chonging like, going yeah, on he watching that be game. High the way he's playing, well, it was it was cheating and chonging uh, that game. That was just awful. And you have to be drink or be high to watch some of these games. What's your message to the Jets fan base who is discouraged? I see some people still encouraged about Zach. I don't know if they're on planet delusional or, or not right now, but I mean, what, it's still what, early, right? Because you got to look at it. I think Trevor Lawrence might have caught up to him now in the intercept. But I mean, that Jacksonville issue is a whole deeper issue right now. I mean, they're dealing, and then who says Justin Fields wouldn't be there too if he was healthier and played more games? You know, I would say everybody relax. We knew this was going to be a struggle. I think some people were delusional. Because Zach was carving up second and third team defenses in preseason, I told everybody to continue to relax. Now, I loved his process and what he was going through. But as all rookie quarterbacks, things switch up and they're way faster when the first team is out there on defense. We knew this was going to be all about progress and and Zach Wilson. It was going to be a tough year. I think we saw that in the first four weeks. It was going to be a tough year. And then there was a glimmer of hope. When the backups came in and started cooking on offense, but then the defense took a step back. And I think – 
that was the combination of just the injuries had, had, had got to a point where, you know, there wasn't enough good players on defense. Not to say that there aren't good players on defense, but as far as, far as your, your mainstays, you know, at the two safety, the two safeties that we lost earlier in the year, like it's hard to replace the Marcus Joyner and, you know, Marcus May at the safety position. Uh, you're essentially playing with, I would say, four or five first, second year players in the secondary. Like, I don't know if any other team can say that right now. Like, you have a very young secondary. Your big free agent acquisition and Carl Lawson goes out. JFM has been fighting through things. And then Quentin Williams gets banged up Sunday. This is that time of year, right? There's only four games left. Nobody is healthy right now. But, uh, you know, the Jets have really been decimated as far as their stalwart players being out of the game plan. Then your top two receivers are might be done for the rest of the year. And your number one running back. Which I think another big issue is, is the majority of your, your best players are rookies and second-year players. Like, it's hard to win on any roster like that. Leger, uh, spinning it forward a little bit. The Jets look like they'll have two top 10 picks. What positions would you target if you're the Jets, if you're Joe Douglas? Yeah, I mean, even with Carl Lawson come back, you still got to get an edge rusher. If you look at what the 49ers did, and I know Salah kind of wants to do something similar, but have his own, you know, twist on things. Um, you got to have at least three good edge rushers, man, like to, to have success in, this, in the NFL, right? If you look at it, Look at the Dallas Cowboys. Like, they didn't expect Michael Parsons to be an edge rusher, but you got him, Randy Gregory, and Demarcus Lawrence, and they're wreaking havoc. And then also the Armstrong kid has played really well for them this year. So teams that that can create pressure off the edge, especially in this defense, since I played this defense, it makes life so much easier for everybody else on defense when you can create uh, havoc off the edge. I don't think Hutchinson is going to be there unless the Jets falter and the Jags win and Texans win and we get the number one pick. Uh, I don't think he'll be there. I think Thibodeau still will be there. Now, actually, I like the other kid from Michigan as well. I think all three of those guys might go in the top 10 because it's a premium on pass rushers. Like, you have to get guys that can get to the quarterback and disrupt these quarterbacks, especially since it's an offensive league now. And then, honestly, with that second pick, there is going to be a, a few teams that want to trade up to potentially get quarterbacks if you look at maybe a Washington football team. But I don't know. They might sneak into the playoffs, and then Tyler Heineke could be their quarterback for the future. Who knows? The Texans might pick before the Jets. It looks like they could potentially pick before the Jets. Davis Mills actually played kind of well until the end where he struggled in that game. So they could get a quarterback as well. But I know some people are saying there's no quarterback that should go in the top 10. But if there's a team around like the 13, 14 mark that wants to trade up, then, you know, to get one of the quarterbacks like a Correll or, or Kenny Pickett, I can see the Jets trading back right there and then either getting a receiver. And I really like Lennon Bob, the center from Iowa, depending on where you take him. Like, I wouldn't take him in the top 10, but if you could get him at like 16, 17, you know, that, I think that's a good pick too. Does it worry you here? You're, you're entering like checkout and thinking of Aruba and the beach and vacation in January. <laughs> I don't are you think talking about, about it. Are you talking about me, Jake? Yeah. You, Is that a shot me? At me? I'm trying to, you know, go to you LA. About maybe. Locker room. Them boys already got their things packed up, man. Well, that's what I'm saying. You've been on teams that have that have struggled, and yeah, it's, you, it's, you see that a lot. I mean, there's like guys that, who are man. hurt who are like, I don't want to come back, or or they'll they'll you know not come back from an injury because they'd rather just you know chill into the off season. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough situation, right? And and that's where you find out who really loves football, right? And I think the thing the difference with this team is it's so young. I don't know how many guys are thinking that, like. We just talked about it, like five of the, the players in the secondary are all first or second year players. Like, they don't know any better right now. So all they know how to do is go out there and compete. They're young, like Elijah Riley, you know, Bryce Hall, Michael Carter. Like, these are young guys. Like, all they know is playing hard and going out there. And So, I mean, 
you worry about that with maybe some of your veterans. But I think the Jets have actually had a pretty good veteran group, right? If you talk about guys like George Fenn, Morgan Moses, who's played football for a ton of years, like these guys aren't going to check out. They're going to go out there and compete week in and week out. A guy like C.J. Mosley is going to continue to fight. It's just about continuing to bring in the right pieces, the guys that have that right mentality. And you just have to remember how this feels and make sure you're not putting yourself in that position to be in this position every single year. Demarius Thomas, unfortunately, we lost on Thursday. You have memories playing uh, against Demarius Thomas? Well, I actually was really close with Demarius. Me and Demarius trained for five years in Atlanta. My first his first couple of years in the season, it was like year two for two and three for me through year like six or seven for me. Cause I used to live in Atlanta in the off season. And that's where he went to Georgia tech lived out, you know, the outskirts of Atlanta. So we trained together and, you know, Bebe is what we called him. He was the, the coolest, most laid back guy you'll ever meet. Always had a smile on his face, man. Really loved to be in the community. And, and he just had an affinity with helping kids out. I, I know if you guys know his background story, he'd been through, he went through a lot in life to get where he was at. So I think that always had something to do with it. And you saw the outpour of love from friends, family members, teammates saying like my kids would just spend, you know, time with them and he would treat them like they were his own kids. And that's just how, how baby was just the most humble guy, cool, laid back, didn't have an enemy. Like everybody got along with him, man. And um, I was saying when he signed here in 2019, I remember reaching out to him. And say, man, I was so excited that you're coming on to my team. Um, you know, you've won at the highest levels. You know, those young guys in that room on the offense and in the receiver room can really learn a lot from you, man. You can show them how to do things the right way. And we were just chopping it up. And I saw him later that year at the Super Bowl, which happened to be in Atlanta that year. And, you know, just dapped him up, hugged him up. I was like, man, it's good to see you. Ain't seen you in a while talking. And I was like, you know what, man, I got to stay in contact with you. And and this is a message for everybody. And I said this yesterday on SNY, like, tell the people that you care about how you feel about them, right? Because tomorrow's not promised. Like, if somebody's on your mind, reach out to them, right? Don't say I'll do it later. Because, like, you literally never know, man. Life is too short. And he taking taken away too soon. He was only 33 years old, man. It's, it's a tragic situation. Yeah, well, I'm sorry for your loss, Leger. And obviously, such a important part of the league. And only read good things about him and people have covered him. So uh, thoughts and prayers to his family. 33 uh, really puts things into perspective. Leger Doosable, follow him on Twitter at Leger Doosable. Check him out on SNY, the pre and post game. Leger, always good catching up with you, man. Happy holidays. Yeah, same to you guys. Appreciate it. Don't even get me going. Alrighty, that puts the icing on the cake on episode 91, the Sioni Puha edition of Gangs All Here at Jets Podcast on the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz and the intern Cameron there for helping me produce the show. Hartz, I got to talk Jingle all the way on the show, and I'm pumped that Kaz's kids are watching Jingle all the way because it is a Christmas season here, and in my mind, it's the number one Christmas movie of all time. And I live for corniness, and yeah, you might be watching and be like, this movie sucks, but... If you're a real person and you appreciate corniness in the Christmas season, you'll love Jingle All The Way. It's probably one of the more accurate Christmas movies because, you know, you see these different ones where there's like the special magical ending and there's the family. They all get together after all the bad traveling and everything like that. 
And then there's Jingle All The Way, where it's about a dad just trying to get a toy for his kid. The one that everyone wants, and uh, I don't want to spoil anything for those who haven't seen it, but it is a rather spectacular ending to the film. Well, if you haven't seen it yet, get off behind under the rock that you've been under for the last 25 years and go see Jingle All The Way. They're not paying us to say this. Well, they shouldn't because they only have it on VHS and no one has a VHS. And if you got a DVD player, even that's old. I mean, what happened to the old DVD player? But yes, it is realistic. A flying Turbo Man into family dinner. That might be one of my, the most underrated parts of the movies where he flies into the dinner table and they're all praying. And it's a flying Turbo Man through like a Manhattan apartment on like the 40th floor. And it's like incredible. Um, and then Booster being this evil character smoking cigarettes, just like this old guy with a raspy voice. Just what a classic that's enough jingle all the way plugs for this episode of gangs all here we have reached that point of the jet season happy holidays everybody give us a five-star rating for our christmas present go on apple podcast right now five stars you scroll down write in a positive review we appreciate it follow us on twitter at brian cause at jake brown radio brian costello i'm jake brown we'll be back on thursday to preview the jets matchup with the dolphins in south beach I want to take my talents to South Beach, but I'll be here in Queens. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Peace. Put that cookie down.